I want to uh, begin in 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, and I'm challenging you with a sense of urgency for the moment. I'm challenging you to believe that God wants to do something supernatural in the ordinary moments of life, and we'll just see what He's doing and partner with Him. And we see a great example here of Jonathan, who is a let, let's go kind of guy, and I want to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 14. It starts off, it says simply, one day, everybody say one day. How many of you know every one of our days can kind of look the same, but when you seize a day for the Lord, when you seize a moment in time and you choose to believe God's wanting to do something special in that moment, how many of you know those normal days become supernatural days? They become uh, divine, um, uh, divine opportunities for God to break into our lives in a very real way. This was just a normal day. It was just one day, but Jonathan Seize the moment. I want you to see what happened. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. Says parenthetically here, Jonathan did not tell his father, saw what he was doing. Now, if you go over to 1 Samuel 13, uh, verse 3, you find out that this was not the first go around for Jonathan. Jonathan picked a fight with the Philistines earlier, and in chapter 13, verse 3, it says that Jonathan, Jonathan attacked and defeated uh, the garrison of the Philistines at Geba. So, how many of you know when you get some victories under your belt, it builds your faith? And I want to encourage all of us that you need to have personal victories under your belt. You know, David didn't take on Goliath right at the start. David fought the lion and he fought the bear. Why did he fight the lion and the bear? Those are pretty good victories to put in your win column, all right? Uh, I'm just telling you, God's wanting to take us from glory to glory. God's wanting to take us uh, from one challenge to the next challenge in life. I want to say this to you personally. I hope you figured this out. Um, You need to learn how to fight. When you're sick, what do you do? Do you roll over and die? No, you fight. What do you fight with? You fight with the promises of God. You fight with the word of the Lord. You fight with God's people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You develop a fighting spirit. You don't just roll over passively and say, okay, sirrah, sirrah. You know, when you're dealing with a family challenge, what do you do? You fight. When you're dealing with a marital challenge, what do you do? You fight. Not the way you think. I don't mean like that. I mean... I mean, you fight for the relationship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you when you're, you're love someone that doesn't know Jesus, what do you do for them? You fight for them in prayer. You go before God. And I will say this too. When you're in a nation that's been founded on Judeo-Christian principles and amazing freedom, what do you do when those freedoms are attacked? You fight. You don't roll over and die. You fight, you fight, you fight. We're living in contested territory. This is not heaven, in case anybody is mistaken. This is not heaven. This is a contested battleground. And I just want to tell you, as a church, we need to develop a warfare spirit. Jonathan was used to picking fights with Philistines. Now, I mean, you know, we're not picking fights with people. We don't fight against flesh and blood, just to be clear. But we do fight principalities and powers. We do fight demonic activity in the earth. We vehemently fight against bad ideas. Because bad ideas hurt people. These are all things that we need to fight for. So Jonathan's already picked the fight once, and God showed up. And so he says, let's go over to where the Philistines have another outpost, and let's basically, let's pick another fight. Now, what causes Jonathan 
to be acting with such strange behavior. I mean, you know, picking fights against people when you're grossly outnumbered. And I will also add that because of what the Philistines had done to Israel uh, as far as taking all the blacksmiths out of commission, the Bible says there's only two weapons in all of Israel. Saul had a sword and Jonathan had a sword. How many of you know when your whole country has two weapons, that's not fighting from a place of strength unless God is on your side? I'll say it again, unless God is on your side. God is on the side of his people. And so he, he's thinking in terms of the fact that one person with the king of glory is a majority. One person with God is more than enough. He's remembering the covenant promises that God had given Israel. God had promised victory over the Philistines. And here's the deal. That promise was simply waiting to be received and acted upon. Can I ask you, how many promises are there in your life that God has given to us through Jesus Christ that are waiting for us simply to seize them, believe them, and then act as if the promise were true? That last part's really big. We're good at believing the promises, but hear what I said. Acting as if those promises are indeed true. That is the most simple definition of faith. You take the Word of God and the promise of God and you apply it to yourself and you say, that, that promise applies to me. I'm a believer. I am in covenant with God. I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ. Am I speaking to the right crowd? We're God's covenant people. We win. God's given us resources we know not of that are waiting to be released. What is God looking for? He's looking for agreement. He is looking for people on earth that will take what he has said grab a hold of it, and then act on that. And when you act on it is when you see God begin to do crazy, awesome things. The land was theirs, listen, if they had the courage to take it. A lot of us are waiting for this detailed map. Are you a map reader? You, before you take one step out of the house, You've got it up on your phone, you do all your checking, you want to make sure you got the fastest route, the route you're checking all the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. We got all this technology, right? How many of you know the kingdom of God does not operate that way? I so wish it did. I wish we could punch in, okay, you know, the now campaign, three-year pledge. What did you say, Lord? How are you going to do that? Let me chart out the course. Oh, you're going to come through in March of 2021. Oh, you're going to come through uh, in the summer with a, with the, no, God doesn't do that. You know what he gives you? A compass. And he says, head north. And you go, oh, that's the direction. Well, what route should I take? Just start walking. That's what a compass does. It points you in the right direction. Have you all seen those funny memes on knowing the will of God? It shows you that straight line, and then it shows you how it really goes. Um, that's what a compass does. It, it, it gets you going in the right direction, and then faith says, I'm going to keep walking. He is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. That means we've got to be moving. Are you all with me? We're a church that's a let's go church. Can I just remind you that the Great Commission begins with this word, go. God is a go God. In fact, I like to say this, the vehicle of the church, if the church were a car, there would be no brakes. Ever since Jesus rose victoriously from the grave, ascended to the Father's right hand, and sent the Holy Spirit, we have the pedal to the metal with a big green light. 
Have you ever been behind somebody at the light and they're distracted and you're, first of all, it's a long light and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Now, don't anybody get self-righteous on me because we've all been guilty of this, right? But you're sitting there and then the light changes and the person is still looking on their phone or whatever. And you're already, you know, you're already agitated and you want to lay on the horn, but then you have this thought, that person might worship with me at Living Stones, all right? They might turn around. All right, and you don't want to make a scene, so you refrain, you let the Holy Spirit bring you under control, but this is what's going on on the inside. The light is green. Will you go for crying out loud? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> or is it just me that needs prayer? All right, go. How many, here's my, how many times is the church sitting there, we got this massive green light, and we're either distracted or we're playing it safe. Is it really green? Or are my eyes deceiving me? It's green. Can I just tell you this? If you're a person of faith, you're in covenant with Jesus. How I many you know that means we consecrate our lives to his purposes? So if you're consecrated to his purposes, and can I tell you, next week isn't so much of gathering pieces of paper. Here's what it is. It is a fresh consecration of ourselves to the greater purposes of God for this generation. That's what we're doing. We're giving ourselves. It's like we're putting the offering basket on the ground, and we're stepping in it, and we're saying, Lord, take me. How many of you know a fully surrendered life is a life that is a God-backed life and is a life of supernatural blessing? I'm going to say that again. A fully surrendered life to God's purposes is a life with the pedal to the metal. We're hitting the gas. There's no brakes. We're shot out like a cannon. That's the way God wants his church to live. With that kind of excitement, that kind of faith, we're choosing to live our lives. We're choosing to act like Jonathan. We're choosing to do something. And can I just say this? The essence of leadership is somebody has to go first. Somebody has to go first. Somebody has to lead the way. Leadership gets ahead of situations. Good leadership. Can I just tell you, we're already ahead of the next crisis in America. We already declared our intention. Y'all remember that? We said, doors open. Till Jesus comes. Open. So what do we just do there? We, we just got rid. We just removed any confusion. What are we going to do? We already decided. Isn't that refreshing? That's what leadership does. It goes ahead. Now I'm going to start meddling with you this morning because it's one thing to talk about vision. Let me talk about marriage. Who's the leader in your marriage? I have big old men. They're like, oh, nobody respects me. My wife doesn't respect me. I wear the pants, I know, but you know, nobody. Yeah, let me tell you why you're not respected in your marriage. Because you're selfish. Because you won't lay your life down for your wife, and you won't serve your family, and then you pout because nobody respects me. Why don't you lay your life down and serve them? Why don't you get out of your own world? Leadership goes first. So who's the first to, who's the first to ask for forgiveness? The leader. Who's the first to make things right? The leader. Everybody else is a pretender. Leaders act. Leaders go first. Leaders blaze a trail. That's what leaders do. How about we need this? Remember, brave leaders, courageous cultures. That's what we're after at Living Stones. So listen, Living Stones is a let's go culture. Can you say that with me? Let's go culture. Say it again. A let's go culture. That means our default is hit the gas. 
Now, some of you in real life, you're like, I don't like to drive with people like that. I'm thinking of my wife over there even now. She always, she's always doing this when I'm driving. <laughs> and there have been a few times when she saved my life. I credit her with that. But there are other times when she's just riding that pedal, that invisible pedal over there. Um, but I, I just want you to know, our default in the spirit should be pedal to the metal. All right? Or you can be part of Saul's church. It's called the Let's Stay Church. Look at verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 2. Verse 2. Notice verse 1 starts off with one day. Jonathan seizes a moment. Verse 2 starts off with the word meanwhile. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the ranch where nothing is happening. Saul and 600 men are sitting. Jonathan is going. Saul is sitting. They're camped on the outskirts of Gibeah. Let me just tell you this. If you're looking to plant a church, do not choose the outskirts of Gibeah to plant your church or the outskirts of anywhere for that matter. The word outskirts means the outer parts, the fringe, removed from the center. How many of you want to be in the blazing center of God's purposes for your life and for our lives corporately, like the sweet spot near the heartbeat of heaven? Then you don't want to be camped out at the outskirts of anywhere. But let me just tell you, people that want to play it safe, people that are the stay here, meanwhile church, are always on the outskirts of what God's doing. We never want to be at the outskirts of what. We never want to just be the people hearing the reports about the cool things God's doing somewhere else. How about we're in the blazing center of what God is doing right here, right now, because God is always on the go. Have you figured that out? God is always on the go. God does not need naps. God does not take timeouts. God is moving his agenda forward even now. And God is moving. I want to be right in the sweet spot of where he is. How about you? It says that they were sitting under a pomegranate tree at Migran. Among Saul's men was Ahijah, the priest. He's wearing his ephod, and it gives some of his pedigree there. The point is this. Saul is not leading. He's lounging. Saul is not leading. He's lounging. I share with you before, the church of Jesus Christ should never be converted into the love boat. We are a battleship once and forever. The minute we become the love boat, we lose our mission and our purpose for our day. Now listen, we need to love each other while we're in battle. Don't get me wrong. We should be full of love and living stones in. But how many of you know we can't ever forget the mission that's before us? We've got to always be moving after the mission. Saul is surrounded with the political leadership, the spiritual leadership, and the military leadership of the nation. He's fully equipped to act, and yet evidently he's sitting here waiting for a sign from God. How many of you know at this point the urgency in his ministry and leadership is gone? And how many of you know it's the urgency, holy urgency, that we need to overcome unholy complacency. Can I just ask you guys this morning, do you still have that sense of urgency in your heart for the things of God? Urgency about making your life count. Urgency about things that matter that aren't right. Urgency about our nation. Urgency about Christ's church. These are things that should burden us. If you're in a place where you're just kind of lackadaisical, please hear me. That's a scary place. Complacency is, is, is halfway on the road to death, all right? You don't want to live a life of complacency. You want to have a sense of holy urgency. Here's Saul sitting on the sidelines, and tell me if you can relate. 
playing it safe. Some people are playing it safe. Some people are passive because it's driven by fear. How many of you figured out fear has a way of paralyzing you and me? If the first thing you're asking is, what, 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 what's going to happen? Wrong question. If you're trying to obey the Holy Spirit, God already knows what's going to happen. Trust Him with what's going to happen. But people that are living in fear, they're paralyzed. They just stop living altogether. Or we have to deal with safety, comfort, convenience. How many figured out that when the symbol of our faith is the cross, you might be being involved in something that's somewhat dangerous? When one of the important rituals of our faith is water baptism, which symbolizes your death, this might not be safe. When we take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis and we eat of His body and we drink of His blood that was shed for us on the cross, how many of you think we might be getting an indication that this will not always be safe, but it will be exciting, and you'll never be bored. But safe, can I just say this too? Safety is an illusion. You acting like you're in control of your life is an illusion. You're not in control of when you're born. You're not in control of when you die. I can tell you one thing. You have one thing you're in control of. Ready for this? How you choose to live your life. It's the only thing you can control. So all this stuff we're doing to keep us safe and all this kind of stuff, it's nonsense. It's an illusion. And it robs you of your life and it keeps you in a state of passivity and it keeps you sitting under a stinking pomegranate tree when God's agenda is moving forward aggressively. We got to get out of living life in the neutral zone. We got to get out of watching life instead of living life. How many of you know we got to get off the sideline and we got to get in the game? Let me listen. The church is full of armchair quarterbacks. It is so easy to sit in your living room and yell at the Chicago Bears every single week. Why did they call that play? Why didn't the guy run a deeper route? They need seven yards. He ran a five-yard route. Why, 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 why? It's easy until you're on that field. And you're trying to drop back with big people all around you trying to kill you. And you're trying to throw the ball. And then you go, oh, well, maybe it's not that easy. Let me just say, the church is full of armchair quarterbacks. Don't be one. Get off the sidelines. Get in the flow of what God is doing. And trust the Lord. I mean, you know, sometimes we're waiting for this divine sign when God has already spoken his will and his desires. We're waiting for the play from the sidelines, and the, the play's already come in. God's already given us a vision. God's given us a, a vision to move forward. God's called us to act. Now the ball's in our court. And I wonder how many of us, again, we're, we're waiting for the will of God. Lord, what is it that you want to do when we have a book full of the will of God to give us direction every single day? We claim to be waiting on God, but how many of you know he's actually waiting on us? You're saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Who's going who's to take me away? Anytime you step out in faith, I'm, I think God is waiting there to meet you and to do something powerful that will blow your mind. Saul's unbelief, his unwillingness to act, his passivity, his neutral zone, playing it safe, eventually cost him everything. But I want you to look. So you, so you can either be at the Let's Go Church or you can be at the Let's Stay Church. I just want to let you guys know, in case we have any visitors here this morning, we are not the Let's Stay Church. 
We're not hanging out under the, There will be no pomegranate trees on this property for us to sit under, all right? We're going to plant a lot of other beautiful trees. No pomegranate trees because we're not going to be lounging. We want to be leading. And can I just say this? This church is full of people who have been handed a megaphone. You have a voice. You have a message. You have a call that's bigger than this place. A call to the marketplace. A call to whatever it is that you're called to do. You have a megaphone. That means you have a leadership anointing. That means say it loud. Say it strong. Be bold. Take, take life, all right, by the collar, all right, and run. Do something amazing with, with what God has blessed you with. Look with me at verse 3. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. I want to give you some great insight here. You know why nobody realized? They were sleeping. Ready for this? You're going to like this, Quinn. Jonathan was woke. All right? Jonathan was the only woke one in the whole church. In fact, Saul's church, they were all sleeping. But Jonathan was woke. He was on the move. He was in touch. He was, listen to this, progressive. All right? In the sense of moving forward. I want to encourage us, let's be woke Meaning we're awake, meaning we're aware of what God's doing, meaning we're seizing daylight while it's, I mean, you know, the Bible says we got to grab a hold of daylight while it's still light because the time is coming when it's going to be dark and when no man can work. In other words, there's an urgency of the hour that we need to grab. Look at what it says. No one realized Jonathan had left the camp. Verse 4, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs. For the sake of time, I'm going to pass some of the details here. But this is what he said. Look at verse 6. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Now, how many of you realize your theology about God is the most important theology that you can have, all right? Who God is, how God moves, what's in God's heart, what God cares about, uh, the power of God, the three omnis of God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's always with us. Just those three omnis are enough for us to take over planet Earth in Jesus' name. But when you realize God does not look at human strength as if it amounts to anything, you can be one person with your armor bearer and God, and you can be a majority in any situation. In fact, God loves to demonstrate his power through tiny groups of committed people with a voice. And I want to encourage you, those are the kind of people that make history. Not big groups, not the mob, not the crowd. That group never changes history. It's the small group of people who know who they are and who know their God that always change history. So if you see Gideon's army shrinking, get excited. God's getting ready to flex his muscles. That's what God's getting ready to do. It's amazing what God can do with a person who is willing to act, a person who's willing to go pick a fight with the enemy, a person who's willing to trust God to show up. Um, here's, look at verse 7. This is really important. How I many you know on this journey we need faith-filled friends? Listen to what his armor bearer says. Now, mind you, I used to think the armor bearer was full of armor, but the Bible says only two swords in all of Israel, Saul's and Jonathan's. So I'm not sure what the armor bearer was carrying. Maybe he had a shield. I don't know, lollipops or something to give the enemy. I don't know what he has. 
But he's, he's along for the ride. Listen to what this man says to his, his leader. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. In other words, in our vernacular, I am absolutely committed to your success. I'm behind you 100%. Can I just tell you, there are times people will set up an appointment with me and they want to share something God's put in their heart, and it might be something that I have absolutely zero expertise in, all right? If you come to me and you're an expert in whatever field of business you're in and I got no experience, how many of you know I don't have a lot of specific things I could counsel you with? But here's what we need most of the time. You ready for this? You can do it. I'm behind you. We're committed to you. What can I do to help? I believe in you with all my heart. How I many you know that's if you're in an atmosphere where you're surrounded with friends like that, you are going to see some amazing things with your life. When you're surrounded with armchair quarterbacks who are always playing it safe, well, you know, well, I heard that, well, you know, have you ever noticed, dude, armchair quarterbacks are always talking from secondhand knowledge. Well, you know, those people over there did, do you know those? Well, you know, I saw on the internet, this is my favorite, I read on the internet. Who cares what you read on the internet? The internet is full of stupidity. Why are you believing a stranger on the internet instead of your pastor who you meet with every week? I'm sorry, I just had to get that out. It's because you don't have any personal encounter with God. So you're basing your decisions on somebody out there, somebody on the internet, or somebody in Timbuktu, somewhere in the world, and I heard this happen, and God forbid it, it would happen here. You don't need those people. You want people to say, I am with you, whatever's in your heart. That's, what, that's the kind of group that accomplishes great things. And can I just say this? When you have a spouse, in my situation, a wife, who says, honey, whatever you're sensing God's wanting to do, I'm behind you 100%. Whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. That's the good old King James for Ruth. You all know the story there. But I am behind you. Hey, man, how many of you know you got a wife like that? Sky's the limit. Wives, wives, be that lady. Believe in your man. Encourage your man. Tell him you're behind him 110%. And it also goes, the shoe goes on the other foot. But I'm just saying, a, a man that marries a woman who believes in him and says that, do what you think's best. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide, let's go. I'm behind you. You're going to win. You're going to win in life. All right, quickly here. Is it 11.15? <laughs> Take that down next week. We're not going to have, we're, I'm kidding. All right. I got... 20 pounds of potatoes, and we got a five-pound sack to fill this morning, and it, I'm not, all right, I'm going to preach really quick here. Look at verse 8. All right, then Jonathan said to him, check out this for incredible military strategy. We will cross over and let them see us. <laughs> now, I want you, now, follow, this is radical. This is crazy. All right, it's me and you against all of those guys. They're up on a cliff. They got the high ground. We're down here. Here's the first part of the plan. We're going to go out in front of them and go, hey, we're here. Okay, sounds good so far. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's side that he will help us defeat them. Now, let me just ask you a question. 
Where did he get this sign idea from? I mean, I mean, I'm going to ask a good question here. Where did he come up with this, if they say this, that's God? And I want you to notice what he did not want to hear. You know what he did not want to hear? Stay there. He said, if they say, come up. Yes. If they pick a fight with me and you with one sword, if they, out here, if they invite us to climb up the mountain first so that we're tired and exhausted, and then we take them all on with my sword, you just follow behind. If they say, come on up, yes, 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 God is for us. But if they say, stay there, play it safe, or we'll kill you, then we'll know that God doesn't want us to go. Who thinks like this? Except somebody who knows God. And can I just tell you, his default was, Please invite me, call me up, pick a fight with me so I can defend the honor of God. And what did the Philistines do next? They started mocking. Oh, I love this. When the Philistines saw them coming, surprise, here we are. They shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. And then the men from the outpost shouted at Jonathan, come on up here, dude. We're going to teach you a lesson. Can I just say something? When people mock God, there should be a sense of holy, righteous indignation inside of you. That go, you know, when people badmouth the body of Christ, those are like fighting words. I got in one fight all my time growing up. Somebody badmouthed my dad. You know why? It's my dad. I love my dad. Don't talk that way about my dad. How dare you say that about my dad? Uh, and he kept going. So what my dad always taught me, when you got a bully or someone's picking on you or someone's provoking you, I hope I'm not going against any parental instruction here, but... <laughs> The righteous thing to do is not act like a sissy, but def defend yourself. When the enemy says, come on up here, we're going to teach you something, you go, what? Come again? Who are you talking about? Who's coming out of their holes? That's because that's exactly where they were hiding in chapter 13, in holes and anywhere they could hide from the Philistines. So they were mocking them. Can I just say this? When people try to rob you of your religious liberties, for instance, or any of the other liberties that people have shed their blood and died for in this country, when freedom and standing up for liberty is viewed as selfish, which is what people are saying today, living your life, pursuing your dreams, living for God, being bold, doing stuff like acting, when that is viewed as being selfish, Something needs to go off inside of you. Because nothing gets done. Let me just say, nothing gets done in this world unless there's a sense of righteous anger and indignation. Otherwise, we just sit around, we keep hanging out. 
When people tell you, you cannot get on an airplane unless you take that vaccination over my dead body. Now listen, if you, if you, if you want to get a vaccine, praise the Lord, get a vaccine. I am not anti-vaccine. I am pro-freedom. I am anti-government, tell you how to live your life and tell you what you do and what you can't do and then tell you where you go and where you cannot go. That's not American at all. That's not what our nation was founded on. So we stand up for these things. We raise our voices. Your child can't come to school without X, Y, and Z shot. What in the world are you talking about? That's not American-like at all. It tramples our freedoms. That's not how we were founded. But listen, we're going to lose it all unless people are visible. Can I just share? I, I, I've already got a few more minutes. I've got to go here. That's why we extended this service. All right? We extended you guys more time in between services so that I could steal the time and create the same problem. <laughs> all right. Listen. They, the, their first strategy was to become visible. Can I just tell you, if you speak out for righteousness today on a host of issues, the cancel culture's goal is to silence you. They can, they're going to try to do it by taking your, your liberties away, but since they can't do that because we have a constitution and a bill of rights, uh, they will do it by shaming you. And let me just tell you, self-censorship at your workplace, oh, I can't speak out on that, I'll lose my job. You better speak out on that or you're going to lose your job anyway and, you're gonna and we're going to lose it all. You have to become visible. What is visible? It means I have a voice. It means, hello, we're here. I think this is the moment where Christ is asking his church to come out of our holes and to say, hello, we're here. <laughs> and ready for this? We're moving forward. We're acting, we're believing God, we're not going to play it safe, we're going to be a church on the go, we're not a church that says, meanwhile, back at Nowheresville, on the outskirts of reality, the church was sleeping, staring at the pomegranates, dangling over their heads. Let's eat those suckers, get some energy for the battle, and get on our feet and move ahead. The rest of the story is, they win this amazing battle. God routes the enemy, uh, and God does amazing things. I don't know, but I just want to see God route some of our enemies. I want to see righteousness arise, see the church arise. We're hungry. Here's what we're after. We're after the presence of God in our midst. How many of you know when Jonathan died, his kids, his armor bearer, his grandkids, this is what they're saying. That guy was awesome. My Uncle Jonathan was telling me about the stories when they fought the Philistine garrison here, when he climbed the mountain and took on 20 of them in a field of about an acre, uh, and they won. That guy walked with God, and man, does he have the stories to tell. May it be said of us, those people walked with God, and man, do they have the stories to tell about what God did individually and corporately in Crown Point, Indiana, by a group of people who just simply chose to be on the go with God and believe Him and grab a hold of His promises, all right? Hop to your feet. I want to pray for us this morning. If you need prayer, uh, in our overflow room, we have a whole team waiting in there with smiling faces, ready to, it would be their pleasure to pray for you. 
and to serve you and to, uh, to minister with you, stand with you. Father, thank you for this morning. God, continue to increase our faith. Lord, even throughout this week, speak to us and drop a number, drop an, an, a, a matter in our hearts regarding this commitment day. Father, we want to come back next Sunday ready to do battle with the enemy. And Lord, that, pe- that our faith can be made manifest when that ground is broken, when the building starts to come up. And Lord, ultimately when we fill it with brand new people who we haven't even met yet, that are going to come to know you and that will come here for living water, Lord. God, we thank you that our faith will have been made manifest and we will be able to tell some amazing stories about what you did in our lives. So Jesus, be glorified. Continue to to magnify your name in our nation, in this church, in our lives individually, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen.